0: The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. It was great having Pastor Kirby and Gail with us. We are able to be here and enjoy their ministry both on Saturday and Sunday. If for any reason perhaps you missed that, you can always go back on the website. Man, they kicked off a great series for us called Finish Strong, and that's what we're going to continue in this week, but we're going to talk about something that's really near and dear to my heart, and that is the subject of evaluation. I love talking about evaluation because I am a learner. I love to learn. I have, I'm just like a sponge when it comes to personal growth and personal development, but we can't do that, and we can't move forward and grow if we don't know how to evaluate. Basketball coach and leadership guru John Wooden said, said it this way, Without proper self-evaluation, failure is inevitable. In order for us to finish strong and for us to grow in Christ-likeness, we have to be willing to evaluate ourselves. Humility is the key. I want you to write this down. Humility is the key to a higher degree of self-awareness. We have to be more aware of our weaknesses. We have to be more aware of our blind spots and see the things that we need to evaluate and that takes humility. Because if we don't ever want if if, if we don't ever evaluate, we're saying I've got it all together. I've got all the answers. I don't need to evaluate my life. Things are going pretty well as is. There's no reason to grow. There's no reason to invest in certain areas. There's no reason to try to get better or to strengthen an area in order to finish strong. But listen, guys, this is the key. Humility is the key to a higher degree of self-awareness. If you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and go over to the book of Matthew in the 7th chapter, going to go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1 says, judge not that you not be judged for with the judgment that you pronounce you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The key in this entire passage that Jesus is telling those that are listening to him in this moment is that humility is really the key to evaluating yourself before focusing on someone else. Hey, listen, Be humble enough to look at what's going on in your own life, not just what's happening in the lives of others. That's so easy for us to just concentrate on other people because it makes us feel better oftentimes. We don't want to focus on our own weaknesses. We don't want to focus on the things we need to grow in or the things we need to change. We would rather be thinking about the person that didn't show up for church today or the person that should be sitting next to us or the person that should be hearing this or, you know, that person that you're definitely going to make sure gets the link to the podcast on this Instead, we spend so much time focusing on that instead of looking at ourselves as Jesus was trying to get us to see. Now, he didn't say there was anything wrong with helping your brother. He did say to help your brother. That wasn't something he excluded. But he said, don't do it at the cost of you only seeing what's going on with him and not focusing on things that perhaps are going on with yourself. And man, That takes humility. President Theodore Roosevelt said this, if you could kick the person in the pants responsible for most of your trouble, you wouldn't be able to sit for a month. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? We are the source of a lot of our own issues, but we don't want to see it. What do we want to do? We want to blame everybody else. We want to point fingers at the reason my life is this way or the reason I'm struggling with this is because that person or because that situation. Perhaps if this one thing wouldn't have happened to me or if this deal would have gone differently or if my marriage would have worked out a different way or if I would have not ended up with the wrong person or if I would have made a different career choice or if my kids just weren't so ornery or whatever. We want to blame everybody. If my parents would have raised me differently, I remember one of the things that my wife and I have talked about frequently was we wanted to make sure that we raised our children to understand how to handle finances because we weren't raised in a way that we were taught how to handle our finances. We just didn't know. And there weren't things that we were explained uh, or, or weren't explained well, things that we just weren't taught on a very practical level. And I'm not blaming my parents, but yet early on in my wife and I's marriage, we've been married almost 17 years now, early on in our marriage, we had a lot of financial difficulty and made a lot of dumb decisions. Now, during that time, there were a few moments, and I'm going to be real honest with you, where I did point the blame at my parents. And I said, man, they should have taught me this. I didn't know this. Oh, I I, I wish I would have known this or wish I would have known that. I could go through my entire life angry at what they didn't teach me and blame them and try to throw them under the bus for the problems I was having. Or I could evaluate and go, you know what? I got to grow in this area. There's some changes that I need to make. There's some things I need to do differently because blaming them isn't going to help me get better at managing my finances. Hello, somebody. Blaming them is not going to change the situation. Something has to get better. Something has to improve. And that's me, but I've got to see that it's me that needs to grow and not necessarily always the other person who may or may not be at fault. Because I look at what my parents did do, man, they did a lot of things right. And I'm grateful for the things they did right. And and I'm doing some things right with my children, but I'm probably uh, missing some things in raising them in certain ways that maybe when they become adults, they're gonna say, I wish my dad would've taught me this. Wish my mom would've taught me that. And they're gonna have to grow because they can't blame me for those things either. I have to take responsibility for my own actions. Oh hello somebody, the world needs to hear this message today, do they not? I need to take responsibility for my own actions. If you're always focusing on everyone else's weaknesses or failures or you're never trusting people because they don't measure up in your eyes, then listen, you're full of pride And you need to be broken of that pride and you need to repent and evaluate your heart today. Are you focused on everyone else's speck and you're not seeing the log or you're not seeing the plank that's in your own eye Listen, if you're constantly having conversations about what other people are doing wrong or what they should be doing, you need to stop and evaluate your own heart because you're probably not self-aware enough to see that there has been a door opened where pride has taken root in your heart. And listen, pride is sneaky, folks. Pride doesn't come and knock on the door and say, Hey, I'm pride. Can I come hang out with you for a little while? No pride is sneaky, it's crafty and a lot of people don't think that they have pride issues because of all of the things perhaps that they do that they would say make them a humble person and if you're and if you're thinking that you're the most humble person in the room, you probably have allowed pride to sneak in there unawares. so I want to challenge you man that if conversations about how other people need to improve all the time and if conversations about what other people are always doing wrong if those things are always present in your conversation first of all that's going to make you a really unhappy person and a lot of your relationships are going to be built around negativity because you're focused on what everybody else needs to be doing what they're doing wrong what's what they're not doing right how they should be doing things better you need to be evaluating your own heart you need be saying God have I allowed pride in Help me to see it, because pride can't see itself. Remember, pride cannot see its own reflection in the mirror because it doesn't think it's doing anything wrong. Pride doesn't say, oh, look at how proud I am. No, pride says I'm doing nothing wrong. Pride says I've got it all together. So when the mirror of the truth is held up, pride can't see the reflection. So you have to ask God to help you with this. You have to say, God, help me see the areas in my life where I'm struggling with pride, the areas where I'm perhaps being too judgmental or in the areas where I'm not seeing the plank that's in my own eye and I'm focused on the speck in someone else's because it'll hinder you from growth. It'll hinder you from being able to evaluate. It'll hinder you from being able to finish strong because it'll be another thing that's in the way of your growth because all the challenges that you face, you're going to think are everyone else's fault. The pride that you experience will also hurt relationships. It'll be a stumbling block for your success. I've been saying this over the past few weeks, but if it's worth saying once, it's worth saying again. It's kind of the way I think. But, you know, if, if we're always having to feel this need to be right all of the time, if we're always feeling this need to be right all of the time, we're missing out on something. If we think that the goal of relationship is to be right, to be the smartest person in the room. Especially if you're having a disagreement with someone and you're more concerned about being right, man, evaluate your heart and say, God, show me what I'm needing to see because I'm feeling like I really want to be right right now. I feel like I really want to be proven right and really want to prove this other person or this group of people or these others wrong. Because listen, the goal is not to be right. The goal is not to be touted as the person who has all the answers and who is right. Listen, we need to continue to grow and be the people God has called us to be because a lack of evaluation will halt your growth. And the frustration that you experience from the halting of growth, you're probably going to blame on other people because still at the root of it is pride. Even if the things you're doing are good things, still your attitude towards other people is off-putting because it can be driven by pride. No one, I don't care who you are, no one is above evaluation. Oh, you can shout me down when I'm preaching good. No one is above evaluation. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've accomplished. I don't care how squeaky clean of a life that you may be living. No one is above evaluation. Romans 12 and 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, that you should not think more highly of yourselves than you ought to think. But you need to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Paul said to the church in Rome that we need to think and make decisions based on sober judgment. What's the opposite of sober? Help me out. Don't play like you don't know the answer to that. The opposite of sober is drunk. So if I'm being instructed by Paul to think soberly, then when I'm driven by pride, I'm thinking like a drunk person. I'm not making good decisions because when you are drunk, you do not make good decisions. That's why the Bible rails against drunkenness and it talks about all the issues according, uh, concerning drunkenness and why drunkenness in and of itself is a sin because it is something that puts you in a situation where you are not making good decisions. You're following bad advice. And when you're in that situation, man, are you really just so impaired and so challenged because you're not at 100%. And so Paul says, listen, instead of being drunk on yourself, we need to be sober in the way we think. And he said to not think more highly of ourselves than we should. So when we're drunk, we're really drunk on ourselves. We're drunk on thinking we're right. We're drunk on thinking we're the person who has all the answers. And Paul says, don't think that way. Be sober-minded. Don't think more highly of yourselves than you should. Lamentations 3 and 40 said, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Have you evaluated yourself lately? Think about this. Have you evaluated yourself lately? Have you asked God to show you areas in your own life that are holding you back that perhaps you don't see? I mean, things that you're not seeing, the blind spots, There are certain things in our lives that we're well aware that are holding us back. And those things often take, you know, that predominant spot of our focus when we think about growth because we're aware of it. We're aware of the things we need to do better. We're aware of some of the weaknesses that we have. Oftentimes those things will be screaming really loud at us, but have we asked God to help us see the things that perhaps are in our blind spots? The things that perhaps we're not seeing, that we need some help with that. Some of you probably have one of those really cool cars that has the little blind spot detectors on your side mirrors that when a car is coming up close to you, it's like blinks or something like that. And it lets you know that there's a car in your blind spot. Don't change lanes because if you do, there's going to be a lot of damage that's going to be caused. There's going to be an accident just waiting to happen, but I'm wanting to help you see it so you don't make that mistake so the little light will come on man we need the Holy Spirit to turn on the light for us to let us know hey don't drift over into this lane because there's something you're not seeing and I want to help you see the things you can't see so you can avoid the pitfalls that perhaps are waiting for you that the enemy has set up as a snare to try to keep you bound or keep you uh, addicted or keep you frustrated or keep you angry or keep you bitter and instead The Holy Spirit wants to be that light and show us. And so lamentation tells us to examine our ways and then return to the Lord. Have you asked God to help you see the blind spots? And more importantly, uh, have we asked Him to show us those things in a way where we can actually see a way out, where we can see what to do about it? It's one thing to see it, but God, help me see what I need to do next to keep moving forward. Have we asked other people that we know love us and care about us and that are for us to help us see blind spots? Have we said, help me see this. Help me see something that I'm not seeing in myself. or Especially if you're seeing a pattern develop or emerge. If you're beginning to see a continual frustration pattern, maybe, just maybe, it's not everyone else. Maybe it's time to pause and ask yourself and ask other people, And how come every time I get in this situation, I'm finding myself with this result? Or I'm always making these types of decisions, or people are consistently abandoning me, treating me this way, doing this certain thing. What am I not seeing? Help me see this. Ask someone that cares about you, that can be honest with you, to help you see that. Ask God to help you to see those things as well. Examine your ways and return to the Lord. You know, Oftentimes we don't think about the responsibility that we've been given, as Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 and 21, where we're ambassadors for Christ. You see, we need to consider the way that we're treating other people and the way that we're being received by others because we are representatives of Jesus Christ. We need to be more aware of our blind spots. And I want to give you a list of five things. That I think are hot spots. It's not an exhaustive list, but they're hot spots that are blind spots for people that they just do not see. And maybe this will help us to see some of these things as we grow to finish strong in evaluation. The first one is denial. Man, so many people, they don't see this and, and they don't see it coming often because they live in a state of denial they're unwilling to evaluate because they're just denying that there's even a problem or they're in denial that there's anything they need to grow in they're just denying it all this is for someone else and if you're thinking about someone else while hearing a message on developing personally and growing through evaluation and examining your heart then my guess would be that you need to ask God am I in a place of denial if I'm thinking about somebody else right now God help me to focus on the things you want me to see help me to focus on the plank in my own eye help me to focus on the thing that's right in front of me that perhaps i can't see the forest for the trees type thing where it's just so overwhelming but i don't want to just go through the rest of my life denying that it's even there so lord help me to see that humble my heart lord help me to approach you with humility to see what I need to see, to be able to grow in the things I need to grow in, to evaluate those things and see clearly. Denial's the first one. The second one is disobedience. Man, disobedience is a huge blind spot for so many of us when we just flat out disobey, when we know the right thing to do, when we know the truth, but we develop a pattern of disobedience. And we often transgress against the virtues and the truths within the Word of God because we would just rather give into our flesh and rather do what we want to do. And because of those rathers, we've developed a cycle or a pattern of disobedience to where it becomes a blind spot, becomes a habit, becomes just habitual. I remember when I was a kid, we just thought, well, all I need to do is just simply just ask God for forgiveness and everything will be okay. And that's true. God will always forgive you. But we had used... 1 John 1, 9, which is confess your sins and he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We had used that verse of scripture kind of as our sin credit card. And that's kind of how we used it. We would, we would swipe away, just swipe, 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 and then when you felt bad about it, you would go First John 1, 9 promises of the Lord here. And the apostle Paul talks about this. He says, should I go on sinning so that grace can abound? He said, certainly not. That's not the point of grace. The point of grace is not just to cover all my sins so I can do whatever I want. No, it's to actually help me to see my need for Christ. And so I will not just ask for forgiveness, but I'll actually repent. And you know what repentance means? It means a turning away from that sin. It doesn't mean an indulging in that sin, knowing that God's going to bail me out after I do everything I want to do, sow my wild oats, whatever I want to do. That's not how this thing works. It's not just something to clear my conscience or ease my conscience. No, actually, forgiveness and grace was given to actually help me grow in Christ's likeness, to help me to grow in this process, this Christian walk that's called sanctification where we see the truth and we go, I'm not going to live in disobedience anymore, but I want to strive to live in obedience and submission to God because He wants better for me than I want for myself. And that takes trust, believing that. And if I trust that and I believe that, I'll be able to submit to that and obey even the things that may be challenging. But man, if I get in that habit of disobedience and I just think I do whatever I want to do and I flat out ignore the truth that's in the Word of God, or I flat out ignore the Holy Spirit's promptings, where I begin to feel grieved over certain things that perhaps I'm doing, or certain things that I need to walk away from, or things that I've gotten too accustomed to, and I allow my conscience to get seared over to that, and I'm not listening to that anymore, then that's come a blind spot to me. I've gotten in a rut of sin. The next one is Isolation. Man, that's a big one because we know that's one of the biggest traps that the enemy has. If the enemy can get you to buy into this lie that everyone is against you and that you need to be all alone and that you're going to be all alone and you buy into that and you listen to that, that you go off and isolate, you may not even see the fact that that is really causing you to really be hindered in your growth. It's really causing you to be hindered in your journey towards Christ-likeness because you just feel like you just need to be there all by yourself. Or perhaps you feel or see yourself as maybe the smartest person in the room or someone who has it all together and no one else is good enough to be with you and no one else is good enough to be around you. No one meets your criteria. And so you isolate and you withdraw and you won't engage with other people. It's a blind spot. God help us see this blind spot. Some people get caught up in isolation because they feel like they're garbage. They feel like that God has written them off and he doesn't love them, and that's a big lie. That is such a big lie that the enemy just wants to keep whispering in your ear to make you feel devalued, make you feel like you've gone too far, you've messed up too much. No, listen, friends, there's always redemption. His mercies are new every morning. It doesn't matter how far you've gone, what you've done. Don't isolate yourself from other people because you don't feel like you measure up. Oh, don't, don't, don't shout me down, church. Listen, do not isolate because you don't feel like you measure up. I've heard people say this, and it grieves my heart as a pastor. They've said, I can't go to church because I feel like everyone else has their lives together there, and I know I don't have mine together. Um, You know, uh, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Guess who that includes? Me, you, 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 every one of us, right? This should be a place that welcomes people who are struggling a place that welcomes those who maybe feel like they're not worthy of any kind of love because they need to experience that love when they come and be a part of what God is doing in our midst and in our church. Amen. But so many people isolate because they don't feel like they're good enough. I've heard people tell me they didn't feel good enough for church. How big of a lie from the enemy is that? Such a big lie. The love of God is so much bigger than your sin. The love of God is so much bigger than your sin. He wants you to grow. He wants you to change. He wants you to evaluate. He doesn't want you to be stuck, but he doesn't want you to feel condemned and like he can't love you because of your sin. So don't allow those blind spots of isolation to keep you from evaluating, growing, and moving forward. The fourth one is entitlement. I think this is one that is a big one for especially people that may have been around church for a long time, we feel that we've invested some tenure in this thing. We feel that perhaps, you know, we've known enough of our Bible, that we've invested enough in a relationship with the Lord. We just feel entitled to certain things, and we just feel like things should be going a certain way in our lives. And then oftentimes when life will throw us a curveball or we'll run into some challenging situation, we get thrown off base and we just don't know what to do. Because we don't see these things so we just feel entitled. Or we feel like everyone should be doing for us what we think they should be doing. And we don't see that we're looking for all of our answers from everyone else in the way that we're treated because of what we've done or because of how great we are, because of who we think you know, we may be in society. And entitlement will oftentimes be one of those major blind spots that keeps us from humbling our heart and evaluating because we always feel like someone owes us something. We always feel like we're deserving of something. And because we always feel like someone owes us something or we always feel like the world owes us something or we're deserving of this or that, then we don't see the fact that we're putting distance between us and others. We don't see that we're putting distance between us and certain, uh, maybe even socioeconomic groups of people. We don't see that we're putting distance even in our relationship with God to where we're not investing in that relationship like we should because we feel maybe uh, aggravated or frustrated because of the entitlement that we feel. Listen, folks, that's a big blind spot that we may experience and we need to ask the holy spirit to help us to see that as we evaluate the last one is bitterness 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 we get bitter when we don't let things go and we're drinking that poison hoping that someone else gets sick bitterness takes a deep root in our heart and it grows and it festers and we become very angry we become angry at those who have hurt us, disappointed us, violated us. We become very disappointed, and we feel justified in our anger towards them. And that justification and that anger begins to just completely saturate and poison our hearts and our minds, and we don't see it. We can be blinded to it. And, and I'm not saying what the other person did was right or what the other people did was correct. I'm not saying it was fair But the Bible talks over and over again about forgiveness. And Jesus talked about forgiveness. And he talked about reconciliation. And he talked about loving your enemies. And he talked about not allowing yourself to get caught up in this trap of bitterness. This is a big snare where it starts off maybe as a little offense. It starts off as just something that maybe, oh, it's just a little frustration. And if we're sleeping on it, and if we're dealing with it over and over, and we're, we're replaying it in our minds and in our emotions, and then it begins to just permeate our whole body and our mind, even to where it'll make you physically sick and physically feel bad. And that makes you even more angry towards that person, because now it's their fault, and you're just so angry and bitter. I have a really good friend that uh, spoke to me here recently about some things that when he and I were, were doing certain things together, it bothered him, and I didn't realize that I had offended him. I thought we were good. I thought everything was fine. I had no clue that I had offended this guy. And this guy is a very good friend of mine, and he's been a, a, a pastor in this area for years, and he doesn't necessarily go to church here, but he's been a friend of mine. I didn't know I offended him, but he came to me, and he told me about what had happened. He said, and this is how he phrased it. He told me, he said, "'Brother, I want to let you know something.'" He said, if I go to sleep on something and I wake up the next morning thinking about it, I realize I need to deal with this and I need to go talk to someone about it. He said, and if I can go to bed and, and, and not be thinking about it, not wake up the next morning still thinking about dwelling on it, he said, I know it's fine, it's one of those things that I can let go. But I have to bring this to you. And he said, I have to share this with you. And I said, bro, I had no idea. I said, oh my gosh, that was not the intent at all. And he says, I figured that it wasn't, he said, but I had sat on it for about four or five days, he said, and I couldn't let it go. And I said, thank you so much for sharing that with me. That's a real friend, amen? That's a real friend that will do that because he wasn't going to allow bitterness to set up in his heart towards me because he valued the relationship more than he valued this anger that the enemy was trying to get him to buy into, this bitterness, this, this feeling right, this feeling wronged and, and feeling right and justified in his anger or frustration towards me in that situation. And we were able to work it out and everything was fine. But I thank God for people that will speak up in those instances instead of allow that to poison their own hearts as well. And that's really the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is one of Reconciliation. You see, there's going to be blind spots that pop up in our lives, and there's going to be things that we don't always see. But as we grow and as we evaluate, the gospel helps us to actually evaluate because the true gospel is key to overcoming blind spots. You want to know why? Because it puts all of the focus on how great Jesus is. It it doesn't in that moment become how great I am. It doesn't become how accomplished I am. No, the gospel helps me see that while I was yet a sinner, that Christ died for me and that His love and that His truth and His Holy Spirit in me is helping me to grow and mature, to be more and more Christ-like and to bring forth more glory to God with my life. It's truly the gospel that saved us. We aren't saved by anything we can do on our own. We're saved by grace through faith. The gospel humbles us. The gospel leads us to a place of examination. The gospel leads us to a place of love for other people. And it leads us to a heart position that helps us see the plank in our own eye. Because we realize we're sinners and we realize we all need Jesus the same. That there's not certain people that need Jesus more than others. And I know that there are certain people you probably think, yeah, they need Jesus more than others. But that's not the way that Christ works. We all need Jesus the same. No one needs Christ incrementally more than another. We all need Jesus. Because at the core Romans 3 and 23, we're we're all sinners. And we all need Jesus. So we all need to be forgiven. We all need to be made alive in Christ. We all have the same need. And Jesus is the answer for that need. And that's why the gospel humbles us. For us to see clearly. For us to be able to evaluate and and move past some of these blind spots and to be able to see the things we need to see to be able to grow in Christ's likeness, it takes humility. And the gospel humbles us because it says, hey, it's not you that saved you. It was Jesus. And so stop looking at yourself as the answer stop looking at yourself as the kingpin stop looking at yourself as the person who is on top of the mountain and standing at the peak as if we are the apex to uh, this life experience and everyone needs to take their cues from us no we can certainly help other people along the way we can certainly help others grow and invest in others but we are not the answer Jesus is still the answer And it's how great he is, not how great we are. And anything great that has happened in our lives is a direct reflection of Jesus. And it's a direct reflection of how great Jesus is. Again, not how great we are, but because of how great Christ is in us and how our lives are being lived for the glory of God because of Jesus. That apart from Christ, I could not do this, man. That apart from Jesus, I could not live this way. How could you forgive someone like that after what they did? They need to get what's coming to them. Well, the reason I can live loving that type of person and forgiving them and not allowing myself to become bitter or not allowing myself to become entitled, not allowing myself to be isolated or not allowing myself to be in a place where I'm walking in consistent disobedience or walking in denial to the struggles that perhaps maybe I've had in life is because of Jesus, because Christ, that's the way i'm able to live my life differently that's how it's not because i'm so great but it's rather christ in me the hope of glory you see at the core we all need to be changed and challenged at the deepest core level we need to give love and show love to other people and the only way we can do that is through the power of god working in us and through us and it appears like weakness to those who don't understand. Because they think, oh, you're being weak because you're forgiving someone for doing you wrong. As to where the, the, the way of the world works is that those who do us wrong need to get what's coming to them. And the world would view that as weakness because they don't know Jesus. Jesus. They would rather live in anger, live in bitterness. Those who don't know Christ would would rather indulge in their own selfish sinfulness that leads to a road of destruction and leads to all sorts of problems. And they, they don't see it because it appears like weakness. It would appear like giving that person the advantage. It would appear like giving those other people the upper hand. But Christ gets the glory when we are willing to walk in His love, walk in His truth, walk in His forgiveness, and live in a way that, man, we can evaluate and see clearly instead of blame-shifting. The way of the world is blame-shifting. The way of the world is, you did this. The way of the world is, you're, you're the, the reason I'm struggling with this. You're, it's someone else's fault, and there's a pill for that. And that's the way of the world instead of doing the heart work, instead of allowing Christ to do the heart work. The way of the world would say, I just need another drink because the world would want to say, there's another answer to help to calm your nerves. Are you hearing me this morning? The way of the world would say, there's, you, you just need to make more money, then you can have peace. And so the world would say, there's more money, that's what you need. And Jesus is actually saying, why don't you actually live and enable yourself and be put in a position of obedience where you're actually giving money away? That doesn't make sense to the world. Heaping more on myself for myself makes sense to the world, and being able to forgive those who have offended you and hurt you instead of hope that they fail or give you or you somehow get the upper hand—that's that's the way of the world. But forgiveness is the way of Christ's likeness, the way that God would have us to live our lives as representatives of Christ in the earth. And you can't do that by yourself because your flesh doesn't want to go down those paths. Your flesh wants to try to get you blind to seeing those things. The enemy would love to put those blind spots there, so you just can't see it. But if we evaluate and if we intentionally make decisions to invest in personal growth so we can see what we need to see, so we can be who God has created us to be, let me tell you, folks, that's going to bring glory to God, and it's going to confuse the world because it's not the way that the status quo operates. But instead, it's going to be a way that points people to Jesus because you're going to be able to say, hey, it's not because I'm so great that I'm doing this. It's because of Jesus. It's because His love has been shed abroad in my heart in such a way that even those who have wounded me, even those who have disappointed me, that I can still have love for those people. And sometimes it takes a process to get there. It's not always instant. It's not always something that happens overnight because we've got to get our flesh out of the way. We've got to die to self. There was a good series about that somebody taught a few weeks ago but it appears like weakness to the world. But listen, it is the power of God at work. I want to give you a few ways that we can grow in evaluation, some practical stuff, all right? And I want you to write these things down so you will be able to take these things and actually do something with them. And maybe all of them apply to you. Maybe a few of them apply to you. Uh, Whatever the case may be, I want to give you some tools, some practical tools to help you to grow in evaluation. Number one, this is a fun one. You ready for this? Ask someone that you've had conflict with in the past how you're coming across. And don't justify or defend your actions. Just listen and evaluate in your heart. Here's a bad thing that we do a lot of times. When we want to ask other people for their help, when we want to ask other people to help us see our blind spots, the immediate reaction is that we want to get defensive. We want to get defensive and say, well, this is why I said that, or, or this is why I did that, or or you, you don't know the whole context of it. This is why I did that. No, no, no. Just slow your roll. Don't get defensive. Ask someone you know that cares about you and that is for you, that perhaps you've had conflict with in the past. I'm guessing if you're married, there's probably a readily accessible person. (laughs) If you have a close friend, if you have a sibling, there's probably a readily accessible person that cares about you that's for you. I'm not talking about someone that just wants to poke at you, someone that just wants to stir you to anger. I'm not talking about those kind of people. Stay away from that stuff. Don't get caught up in that because that's, that's not going to be helpful for either of you. Someone that you can talk to, that you can be transparent with, that you can be real with, that you can ask them, how am I coming across? Because we've had conflict in the past and I'm seeing these patterns develop and I just want to make sure I'm not seeing, uh, that that I'm not missing these things because they're blind spots. Help me to see those things in my life. So ask someone you've had conflict with in the past, how am I coming across? And don't give in to the temptation because, oh, it's going to be tempting. Oh man, it's going to be tempting to justify or defend yourself. And you're going to want to. Oh, you're going to want to because you want them to know you were right but just suck it up and don't defend and don't justify. Do yourself a favor, this will help you grow. If you do this, I I promise you it'll help you grow. Just listen, I got a phone call a few years back from someone and they called me to confront me about something and man, oh, I did not like the phone call. I didn't like it, it bothered me. And so badly in that moment, I just wanted, I I wanted to defend myself. And, and I got in a bad habit, and I have, to, I have to stop that habit of always wanting to defend and justify. I have to listen, and God's been helping me grow in that. And I want to continue to get better in that because I, I know there's things I need to grow and I want to evaluate those pieces in my life when those things are brought to my attention. And this person was lovingly and caringly calling me. And on the phone, when I was talking to them, I'm sitting here going, okay, I want to explain this and I want to justify this, but instead of me doing that, I bit my tongue, and I thanked them for the phone call, and thanked them for sharing those things with me, hung up the phone, stewed on it for a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you, stewed on it for a little bit, and then I was able to go, you know what? After kind of thinking on it and evaluating it instead of defending it, the person had some great points. And there are some things I could do that would really help me grow. And there's some things that I could really do to help my relationship with them. Things I never would have saw if I would have just went into immediate defense mode things I wouldn't have seen, but I knew they cared about me. And as you do this, make sure that you just evaluate, that you don't go into defense mode. Listen to the other person. Listening is such an important skill that we need to learn that's going to help us grow in evaluation. The second thing is, if you haven't done this, this is free. This is a website. It's called 16personalities.com. 16personalities.com. It's free. You can take this assessment, this evaluation. We use this on our staff. We use this for a lot of our events that we do here at church just to help people to see things in themselves that perhaps you hadn't seen before. There's paid things you can do um, that are like this. If you are in that world and you love the personal growth, personal development world, 16 Personalities is the free version of Myers-Briggs. So if you've ever heard of Myers-Briggs before, taken Myers-Briggs. This is the free version and in my opinion, because I have Myers-Briggs as well, this is better because it gives you a lot more detail than Myers-Briggs doesn't actually give you. So if you have taken Myers-Briggs as that personality uh, assessment, I would encourage you to go take that and compare your notes between the two because this is going to give you some pretty in-depth stuff concerning your personality. It's a free deal. You can go and take it. And once you take it, I want to encourage you to actually read over it. Maybe it would be a good exercise to do with a friend or with a spouse to where you could actually compare notes and help each other to grow, because it'll show you some blind spots. And instead of you going, oh, this stupid task, these things are, you know, just a crock of wool, I don't see this in myself, oh, this is so dumb, this is stupid, that's not me at all, ask someone else. My staff loves it when I do these things because I'm kind of a junkie for this type of stuff. I love doing these types of things. And when I do it, I'll bring the results to some of my staff and they just laugh. They view it as an opportunity to actually kind of poke at me, you know, at my own expense because they'll go, that's exactly you, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Or they'll go, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, that's accurate. And I'm like, oh, okay. So the good, it shows you your strengths and it'll show you some areas that are blind spots and weaknesses that perhaps will help you grow as well. So I would encourage you, use that tool. The third thing is celebrate the things you are strong at and ask for help from God and others in the areas you recognize as weakness. We don't need to just evaluate and focus on the things that we need to improve. I don't want you to misunderstand me today. There are too many things out there in this world that would just want to put a magnifying glass on everything that's wrong in our lives. Also allow God to show you the things that you're strong at, that you're good at. Celebrate those things. Invest in those things as well. Don't spend so much time investing in weakness that you neglect building and investing in your strengths. Keep investing in those strengths. I would pour more effort and energy into those things so you can get stronger and stronger at the things you're already good at. Don't crutch on them, build into them, build into those strengths and ask God to help you to see the things that perhaps you're weak and that other people could help you with. Ask other people to help you with those things, but don't neglect your strengths for the sake of evaluating weaknesses. Please don't do that. Don't misunderstand my message this morning. I want you to walk away feeling encouraged and like you have some tools to be able to see some things you hadn't seen before, to grow in Christ-likeness, to grow more effective as a leader, to grow more effective as a husband, as a wife, to grow more effective as an employer or employee, to grow more effective as a parent, to grow more effective as a grandparent, to grow more effective as a child of God, to where you can see the things that you're strong at, that you're good at, that God has put in you, that he wants to use for his glory and that you don't neglect those strengths just simply because you're seeing some areas of weakness that you need to grow in. Make sure that you celebrate those things and thank God for those things. And ask other people to to help you to see those things as well if you have a hard time seeing those strengths. If you have real friends, real friends, they should be able to celebrate your strengths with you. If you have real friends, they should be able to celebrate your victories with you too. Okay, that's another sermon for another day. We're going to continue, number four, to invest, invest intentionally in personal growth. This is a big one for me. I always want to invest in personal growth. We never need to stop growing. If something's not growing, it's doing what? It's dying. Even if we quit moving forward, things get stagnant and eventually get sick, and those things begin to to go on the decline and to digress. We want to make sure we're investing in personal growth. And there's a few different tools that I found. I did some research and thought there'd be some cool stuff that I could put in our hands or that you could use. There is a really cool Bible reading plan on uh, Uversion, which is the downloadable Bible app that you can get for free. This is all free stuff, uh, which is... uh, Fighting Personal Flaws Bible Reading Plan on You Version. And it actually helps you to see some of those areas of weakness, perhaps, and how to grow and find victory in some of those areas. It's a free deal. I read through it. I really liked it. Um, There's also one if you're, again, into kind of the evaluation world of of doing some of those personality tests and strengths tests and stuff. If you've done Clifton Strength Finders, there's also a Bible plan that is attached to Clifton Strength Finders that's for your marriage. It's called Strengths Based Marriages. Oh, man, that's a good one. My, my wife and I just went through that one. It was a great one to do, and it's free as well. I would um, want you to think about the Global Leadership Summit, which is going to be the second Thursday and Friday in August in 2018. We're going to host the Global Leadership Summit again that you can go ahead and put in now for that second. I don't know the exact dates, um, but it's going to be the second Thursday and Friday in 2018 in August. So make sure that you block those things off. That's a great day of just investing in personal growth. You can also go through our Trek class that we have here at church Um, that is a great way to invest in your personal growth because it helps you to understand why you do what you do to help you see some things that perhaps you aren't seeing and help you to find healing from things that perhaps you've been carrying around for way too long. How many of you in this room have been through the Trek class? Hold your hand up for me. There's been a lot of folks in this room go through the trick class and and i know that each of you have have experienced uh different uh results from it and some maybe more than others but i think everyone would agree it's a great tool to help you to see things that perhaps you didn't see um, before to help you to grow and then lastly invest in relationships where people are for one another where they're honest where it's a safe setting where you can sharpen one another where you can build into one another One of the ways that we do that here at church is through our community groups. And we're going to have a lot of new community groups roll out in our new semester at the beginning of the year. So be looking for those so you can invest in those that perhaps God is putting on your heart to lead one or maybe facilitate one. Man, you need to email Pastor Keith, email the office, drop us a note, whatever the case may be, we'd love to put you on a path to help you to do that to where you can enable people to invest in those types of relationships. The fifth thing is that we're going to listen more We covered that a little earlier, how we need to be good listeners and make sure that we're not always defending, but we're also listening to what other people have to say. Number six, we're going to ask for help, and we're going to include other people more. Now, this is a big one that pride will keep you from, asking for help. Somebody's ribs are going to get sore here in just a moment because you never ask for help. You always want to try to muscle through something and do it on your own. Well, man, let me tell you, I, I, Trenton and I, we kind of joked around the other day. He bought this big toolbox and he needed some help unloading it off of his truck. And, and, you know, we bent down like the little picture on the box Team Lift. I said, Here we go, Team Lift. You ready? Team Lift. You know, I just think those are little corny animation or or illustrations on those boxes. But man, Team Lift is trying to tell you, if you try to do this by yourself, you're probably going to get hurt. So we're trying to say, hey, ask somebody else for help. How many of us have done things that we should have asked for help for? Don't lift your hands because it's every hand. We've all done things in life we should have asked for help for. Pride will keep you from asking for help. Because what do you think? I got this on my own. I got this. I don't need help. That's not true. Sometimes we do need help, and we need to ask help from other people and include them more in our lives. To put our hearts in a position where we're able to be more transparent with people, to be real with people, ask them for help. If people really care about you, if we're really full of the love of God, which we should be, then it should be part of our nature to want to help other people. But somebody has to be humble enough to ask. Number seven, we need to pray and ask God to help us in grow, growing in our representation of Christ to the world by loving people the way that he loves them. We need to pray and ask him, God help us. Help us grow. Folks, we're not going to grow in evaluation if we don't also grow in our relationship with God. That's, they go hand in hand. You can read all of the self-help books, all the grow and how to be better at this books you want to read. If God's not a part of the equation, it's not going to stick and it's not really going to last. Because it's going to be contingent upon how disciplined you can be in your own strength and you have a threshold, you have a limit. And you're going to hit that limit and you're not going to be able to move beyond that limit of how much you can do on your own. Because it's not just an attitude change. It's not just a schedule change. It's not just a priority change. It's a heart change. And only God can change the heart. So as you invest in your relationship with God, pray and say, God, help me to grow in representing Christ to the world because we're representatives of Him. So help me to grow, Lord. Help me to grow by loving people the way that You love them. Help me to see a glimpse of Your heart. Help me to care for others the way that You do so I can continue to minister grace and love and truth to others as well and impact and influence eternity. To help us finish strong this year, I want us to take time out and evaluate our year. I want us to evaluate our growth, and evaluate how we can grow in Christ's likeness. How can we grow in humility? How can we grow in serving? How can we grow in commitment to God, commitment to His church, commitment to relationships, commitment to loving others? And I want to challenge you to write one thing down that you see that God wants you to invest in. I want you to write down one thing that is worth investing in and and for you to grow in that area. To show that to someone else, to have them hold you accountable to that growth. Christ is made perfect in our weakness. He is made strong in those areas. So ask him, what is something that I need to grow in? Help me to see it. Let Christ help you see what you need to see so you can grow and be who you need to be and move forward in loving God, loving people serving the world. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to sit under the teaching of your word, and we pray today that you would help us to put it into practice, to take that one thing, or maybe even several things for others. I, I don't know what you're dealing with in individuals' lives, but whatever it is, I pray that it stirs a, a, an urgency of obedience in hearts, that it would stir an urgency of obedience in action that it would stir, Lord, us stepping beyond what's been our routine, stepping beyond what's been the things that perhaps we haven't seen, and that you open our eyes to see those things and to do those things. I pray that you help us to grow and to finish strong and to show your love and your truth to our families, to our co-workers, to our friends, to those we come in contact with every single day. And I pray that you help us to grow and evaluate as we grow in that process of sanctification, to become more and more Christ-like to show the glory of God as your gospel is working in us and being lived out through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.